Joining us now is the opposition police spokesperson, Mark Mitchell. Uh, Mark, g'day. Afternoon, Tim, Romain. How are you guys today? Yeah, good. Thank Pretty you, good. Mark. Festive greetings to you. Now, the long queues yeah, at the... Oh, thank you. The festive um, season roadblocks are about to kick off at the Iwi roadblocks. Have the government yeah. got this wrong? Oh, they've got it completely wrong. Um, I mean, you know, you're, you're going to be taking police staff out of their own districts uh, when they're needed most. Um, they're now going to be using recruits who haven't finished their training and actually have got no powers. And then you've got iwi authorised um, officers who have limited training experience, no qualifications, um, and they're going to be stopping members of the public on our main state highway at our busiest through our busiest holiday period. Um, you know, and, and then you've got them saying uh, publicly that there, there's conflicting approaches in terms of the iwi authorised officers want to stop every vehicle. Um, the police are saying, well, that's not going to happen. Um, you've got the iwi authorised officers saying that we'll be in charge and we'll be instructing the police, and the police saying. No, we're in charge. Um, there's going to be massive um, gridlock, without a doubt. Um, even if you were to stop every fifth or sixth vehicle, you're still going to have a massive gridlock on State Highway 1 mm. through the busiest um, holiday period. So, look, in, in my view, it's going to be a mess. Um, it's irresponsible, um, and, and it'll fail and fall over within days. And, and you've, got, you've got an Auckland population who have been very compliant throughout the response to COVID, um, they've reached a 90% threshold in terms of vaccination. Um, they've been respectful. They've done everything that they've asked for, that have been asked of them, and now they're going to be pushed into um, checkpoints as they try to head north. When there's other options available um, and a more nuanced approach could have been taken. Well, assuming we all know the, the pressure that the police are under and that the, a lot of these communities, are, you know, they like to strongly represent their own interests. So what yeah. would you have done if you had been, uh, if National had been in government about this issue and the pressure that comes from those communities? Well, I, I would have allowed the commissioner to exercise his operational autonomy, which he has, um, and for him to put his staff in the, in, and have his staff in the places where they're most needed. And then I would have, as government, we would have engaged with EWI. They have legitimate concerns, but there's lots of other different options that they could take working with government, like vaccination, masks, social distancing, um, different sort of protocols that could have been used and put in place rather than having a blunt instrument and putting checkpoints up, which is going to cause massive disruption. I'm worried about there being flashpoints um, in, in those checkpoints. Um, and and the, the, there's no efficacy around them. They're not actually going to achieve anything. Mm. If, if you're going to run a checkpoint like that to achieve what they want, you're going to have to have it run throughout the entire holiday period, summer period. And I just don't think that's going to happen. Mark, do you think that your average New Zealander is going to take this seriously? If I see flashing lights, I definitely take them seriously. They give me the heebie-jeebies. But 300, 300 police personnel, they're not all, some of them are recruits, as you've said. Um, what would these police ordinarily be doing at this time of year? Handing out tickets to speeding people? What happens around Christmas time? Well, I'd, number one, I'd appeal to all members of the public and Aucklanders to try and be as patient as you can and be compliant and, and try and work through the system. Um, number two, I'd be appealing to the police commissioner. I, I believe, actually, that he doesn't want to do this. I think that this is political pressure that's coming from the government. Um, and I'd appeal to him to exercise his um, operational autonomy yeah. and find another way of dealing with this rather than checkpoints. Um, because I, I just, I'm really fearful that there's going to be a flashpoint at one of these checkpoints because mm. you've got an enormous stress already sitting inside Auckland having gone through a, a very, very long yeah. uh, lockdown period. 
And people just, they've, they've got to the 90%, they've achieved that goal. Yep. They just want to have a bit of freedom to be able to go and enjoy the Christmas period and the holiday period with their friends and yep. family. Just before we move on to the next uh, question we want to uh, talk to you, this issue we wanted to discuss with you, um, this operational versus um, political in- involvement with the decisions of the police commissioner, uh, what can a good minister of police do when the government views the commissioner's stance on things as a, a little bit off? Well, the minister's got to be advancing the interests of the of the agency that she's responsible for, and that's the police. She's got to have their back. It doesn't mean that you don't still hold the police to the high professional standards that we expect them to operate at, but she's got to be representing their views around the cabinet table, and she should have been very clear and said, we've got a thin blue line that's already under enormous stress. We're coming into the busiest period of the year. Staff need to be back in their own districts, and it's a total misuse of police resource to be manning checkpoints like this. Um, that are going to, they're not going to achieve the results that they're after. They're yeah. a complete and utter total waste of time and resource. And the minister should be communicating that very clear to her own cabinet colleagues and the prime minister yeah. and supporting the commissioner of police. Because, guys, I feel very strongly, actually, I spoke to him the other day, and he certainly didn't uh, say anything to me directly, but I just get a sense that, actually, um, I, I, he doesn't want to have his staff sitting up there on these checkpoints. By the way, the police in my own district have been manning checkpoints now for four months, there's a deep fatigue there. Yep. They're tired of it. They want to get off the checkpoints and they want to get back into protecting the community that they want to actually serve. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, just moving on to something um, uh, quite different. We uh, The major news last week was the sentencing of Matthew Hunt's killer. Yeah. And yeah. Um, 27 years non-parole period, uh, if memory serves me correctly. Now, his mother stroke, uh, spoke movingly yeah. uh, and yeah. she su- raised the issue of arming police saying that the only defence that Matthew had was to run away. Is she right and is it time that we arm the police? Well she's right in the sense that as a mother, um, her son who she was extremely proud of and, and, and should have been um, justifiably because he was, he was serving his community, an outstanding young man um, was put in a situation where he couldn't protect or defend himself uh, and, and he was gunned down by a gang member with a high-powered military-style rifle, and he was shot three times in the back. Um, to, to every one of those was a, was a fatal injury. Um, and so, you know, in, you ask any parent that has their child gunned down mid-daylight um, and was unable to uh, protect himself or the public that he was serving. So it's obviously, I mean, the, you know, the pain to die in, for dying is never going to go away. Um, I've got enormous admiration and respect for her. She's incredibly yeah. strong. She's been. She had to bury her son. She's had to sit through the trial. She's taken a petition to Parliament, and of course, she was there for the sentencing um, the other day for Ebiha, who, by the way, has shown no remorse at all. So, yeah. from a mother's perspective, she wants our police. She wants to know that our police are able to protect themselves. Mark, this um, is interesting they, because I've interviewed Greg O'Connor several times over the last five years or so, and it's turned, hasn't it? Police didn't want to be armed all the time, and that's changed. Will this? It has. You're what, right. But what will this do? What will this do for the police? Will it? Do you need stronger laws? Do you need more gun reform? What's the What's the actual end game here? Well, you need to get the guns off the gangs, and the, and the gun reforms that the government put in place haven't achieved that. Um, so you definitely need to do that. There, there needs to be the, the police would welcome more training, um, and they definitely need to have easier access to firearms so that they can protect themselves on the front line. They're dealing with uh, a massive increase in gang numbers proliferation of weapons, and actually the willingness of gang members to use those guns now against them. And you're getting, they're dealing with incidents just about every day 
where firearms are pre- being presented or used. Um, so you're right, 75%. The last time the police association polled um, the police service, over 75% of officers said that they felt that they needed to have the yeah. firearm to have the tactical options that they required. Mark Mitchell, uh, opposition spokesperson for police. Uh, thanks very much for your time. Have a merry, merry Christmas. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Merry Christmas. Yeah, cheers, mate. Cheers.